This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, December 1st, 2021. I am Dave Biddle. I am joined by Matt Baxendale. All right, back. So the Buckeyes fell to number seven in the college football playoff rankings as expected. And there's people, you know, on social media and even on our side on Bucknuts saying, oh, if this and this and this happens, maybe Ohio State can get back and make the college football playoff. Listen, I know there's a possibility. I, I just feel like it's so minute. I'm not even giving it any time of day. I just feel like the Buckeyes are out of it. I know things can happen. I just don't see the Buckeyes making it. I think they're out of the CFP for sure. Yeah, it's, it's a pipe dream at best. I mean, we can, we can spin our ways around left and right in eight different ways. When was the last time a team that lost their last game and had multiple losses made the playoff? Right? Like, that's just not going to happen. I mean, I hate to break it to people. I know that everybody still is like, ooh, playoff, playoff, playoff. Like, somehow rules don't apply to us to make this playoff like it does for everybody else. But at the end of the day, like, we lost. We got our asses kicked, in fact. So, like, we can sit here and go, well, Notre Dame doesn't have a coach now. Well, you know, are they really going to take Baylor over Ohio State if they beat Oklahoma State? Oh, well. We're better than Cincinnati. Like, these are all points that I get, right? But Ohio State doesn't really have an argument to get in here. I mean, you'd have to have six different things happen and then have Ohio State get picked over Alabama. So unless Georgia blows the doors off of Alabama, this is such a minute possibility that would feel so undeserved that uh, you, you can't really sell me on it right now. And honestly, does anybody want to go to a playoff game with our defense the way it looks right now? I mean, I always take your chance if it comes, but it's, it's, it's the call a spade a spade guys. It's really, really unlikely. Yeah. Forget about it. Bucknutters. It's not going to happen. And like Bax just said, the Buckeyes don't deserve to go. I mean, I know the Oregon game was only, you know, 35, 28, but they got their butts kicked in that game too. That was not as close as the score would indicate. And people are going to talk about, well, the total yards were, were close in both of the games against Oregon and Michigan. Yeah. A lot of those were empty yards. And the Buckeyes got their butt kicked in both games. They don't deserve to get in. It pains me to say it. We will find out where they're going. Bowling eventually. Probably the Rose Bowl, if not the Rose Bowl. Maybe the Peach Bowl. Perhaps the Fiesta. I think it'll probably be the Peach if it's not the Rose. All right. Now, you mentioned the defense. Obviously, they need to get a new defensive coordinator in here. I think uh, that's, <laughs> that's clear to anybody. What else needs to happen? What changes, plural, need to happen? What do you want to see with the defense overall? And maybe what changes need to happen on offense as well? I think everybody in the defensive side of the football as a coach will be fortunate to return next season. And since the game, you know, kind of come back to LJ even a little bit, right? I mean, he's what, 70, 71 now? And the D-line was the worst part of the defense by a country mile. So, you know, everybody's like, fire everybody but Larry. Well, 
if anybody stays in the defensive staff at this point, it might be Combs or it might be Barnes as position coaches, certainly not as the coordinators. Uh, I don't see any way Al Washington comes back at this point. The linebackers have been not great since he took over. I think since he took over, it's been, oh, thank God it's not Billy Davis coaching linebackers is how we all feel. And, you know, that's, that's unfortunate, but we haven't had a good linebacking coach. I mean, our linebackers have looked lost for years. When your best linebacker is a guy that just switched from running back, uh, you have a problem. So I think the whole defensive staff is at heavy risk. I, I certainly think a new coordinator comes in, and I think that coordinator comes in with all the power, whether that's the Oklahoma State guy or Marcus Freeman or whatever other names are out there, we'll see. But there's going to be a new defensive coordinator. Offensively, I, I think that you're going to be hard-pressed to convince me that we're not going to see a new offensive line coach either. Um, you know, there's been questions up and down for a while on stud, but you know the 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 four tackle offensive line to me is something that I have been complaining about for a month and a half, and it reared its ugly head against our rivals. You can't like the decision that that came down to Thayer Munford moves to guard to be a weaker guard than our starting guard, just so we can keep the Juan Jones from transferring. You know that the math doesn't add up. You weaken the line a little bit, and you make it so you can't bench uh, your worst offensive lineman, which was Munford this year, outside of Whipler, who's struggled at center but was really the only option. Uh, playing four tackles against teams that have elite defensive tackles means you don't get a push. And that's why OSU didn't get a running game push like they should have in the game. So I, I would be surprised if Stud was back at this point, too. I think you've only got a couple guarantee safes and – after that, you could see half the staff turnover, and I would be okay with that, especially after the last two years on defense. I mean, like people act like you can't just act like this is one season of oh no, well they were okay after the Oregon game, you know, until we got murdered to three hundred yards on the ground against our rivals. The defense stunk last year, right? Like it was bad last year. We just covered over for it by the D line being actually pretty good last year, and uh. The fact that the offense was scoring a billion points and the fact that they had less opportunities to immolate because of COVID cutting the schedule down the way it did. So major changes is the minimum I'm expecting at this point. Yeah, I would hope so. And when Ryan Day was promoted, when he took over the program, I was impressed. I was like, man, I, I thought he was kind of, a, you know, too much of a nice guy maybe at first, but he came in and overhauled the staff. And even after his first year, so he, he brought in Mike Yursich and they, you know, this was not public, but I've mentioned this on the show before. Mike Yursich um, was not easy to work with. And Ryan Day got rid of him after one year, made him found a new job, basically. He didn't fire him, but he, you know, you better find a new job before I have to get rid of you. Um, and, you know, before that, when he took over, he got rid of Alex Grinch, got rid of, all, you know, a bunch of guys on defense, brought his own guys in like Jeff Halfley. Since getting rid of Yursich, he's been doing a lot of stuff like promoting from within, you know, I mean, Corey Dennis, I think Corey Dennis is doing a good job. Um, I'm okay with that. Um, but there's been a lot of promoting from within. He needs to go outside the program and find a defensive coordinator and offensively, you know, I agree about stud. I mean, I, I hate to see anybody lose their job, but Ryan day's got to get back to that killer that we saw early in his tenure. I mean, it's still early in his tenure. It's only entering his fourth year, but you know what I mean? I mean, when he first took over the program and after his first year, it's like, man, Ryan day's a killer. He'll go to Michigan and steal coaches from them. I'm just not seeing that. And I hope I see that this off season. Yeah, that's the other thing. When he started off, he was he, he, he was he was the smiling assassin, right? He'd be like, 
oh, we're just so pleased to be here today. I'm so happy to see you. I'm going to score 80 on you and then do it, right? Like, the the reality is that, like you said, the promoting from within leads to a certain amount of stagnation within. And you need to have new ideas. And, you know, for all the things that Ryan Day might do better than Urban, one thing Urban was really good about being the master psychologist that he was, was he kept everybody on their toes. And you don't get your ass handed to you like you did in the trenches against Michigan if you're uncomfortable, right? There was a lot of complacency, a lot of comfort coming into the game from our guys who their job is to be physical and run people over, right? That's why I call that game embarrassing. Like, oh, we only lost by 15. It's not that bad. Well, losing by one to them is, is that bad, first of all. Um, but second of all, the way we lost – our D linemen didn't make a single tackle if memory serves correctly. If they did, it was only one or two. And they certainly didn't make a tackle for a loss the whole game. Reality is, our offensive line was just desperate that their, de their defensive ends didn't take out C.J. Stroud. We didn't get a great push in the running game. And our D line got blown up. You need to be uncomfortable. There needs to be some basic-ass toughness in this program. And it's something Ohio State has never lacked in the last 20 years. So uh, the other thing that would help for Ryan Day from bringing somebody outside the program on the offensive side, and again, I don't, don't want to like say Corey Dennis isn't doing a good job, but I would love a more veteran, more vocal quarterback coach from outside the program to kind of get in Ryan Day's ear a little bit because he, his big flaw right now to me is, is that he falls in love with the passing game too much whenever there's times where, you know, I don't want him to turn into Jim Trestle and run the same play because the other team can't stop it on the ground. But there's a lot of times where Ryan Day's like, ooh, look at all my toys, let's throw it more, when the obvious play is run it a little bit more because we're crushing them, right? And that also helps breed that toughness, that I'm going to run you over mentality. So I think bringing – how Ryan Day hires this offseason is going to be a very definitive uh, mark on his tenure because – if the hires aren't great and we have more things like this year where we are 10 and two with two wins that we're not super duper excited about or two losses. I mean, we're not super excited about. And I mean, what was the best win of the year? A Penn state game that was at risk until the end. And they only finished what seven and five, eight and four, something like that. Michigan state Spart Sparty was the best win. Yeah. You know, when you're thinking about it, but Michigan state to me is, not on the same level as the two teams we lost to, right? And I'm sorry, but, like, you know, it's easy to blow somebody out, right? It's hard to dig down deep down a point at halftime and come back and give a damn and fit out physical people, right? We didn't see that, and that's program character. And that, you know, if, if, if that happens next year, I mean, Ryan Day has never got to coach the game at home, right? Let's start with that. So maybe this is just one game and, you know, we didn't have a game last year, so there's no experience from our guys and <laughs> who knows. But if he doesn't hire well this cycle and God forbid something like this happens next year, he goes from like the guy that we've all been saying is the greatest possible coach for this program at this point in time to people not happy, right? Like nobody's calling for Ryan Day's head right now. You lose to Michigan next year, that call will start because this is the most sacred goal of the entire program is to win this game. And Ohio State failed at it for the first time 
really in, since 2003, because in 2011, they lost a tight game with an interim coach. And then two days later, we hired Urban Meyer and nobody was sitting here stressing about it afterwards. It was like, all right, you bastards got lucky that all that happened. But now we're we're back and that barely counts. Right. This one counts. This one is a program shattering, indicting moment. And Ryan Day has to rise to the moment in his hiring and in the way that the culture is in the Woody. Plain and simple. Very well said. Last thing real quick. I know you've got to get to your doctor's appointment, so if you need to just hang up, uh, that's fine. Uh, we'll let the listeners behind the curtain. Fax is on the way to a doctor's appointment. Last thing. I don't know the last time I talked about basketball on the show, but we got to talk a little bit of basketball. The Buckeyes yes, we upset do. number one Duke last night, 71-66 to 66 at the shop. Buckeyes were down by 15 points in the second half, held Duke scoreless for over four minutes to end the game. Buckeyes pull it out. Again, down 15. They beat number one Duke, 71 to 66. So I, I guess the Chris Holtman haters are going to have to uh, simmer down for a little bit, Bax. So I'm not like captain basketball, right? Like much like many of our Ohio State fans, I'm pretty invested on the football side until the season's over. And then I'm like, oh, how's hoops doing? Right. That's just how I am. Um, so whenever the season just ended on a really down note for football and I flip over and go, well, let's see how hoops is this year. Right. Because like I saw the Seton Hall ending. Right. I saw Florida edge them out, and I was like, oh, that sucks. I hope they're good this year, right? Well, they just upset the number one team in the country, right? And this, I'm going to go back here, but this vividly reminds me of after the 2006 national championship disaster, Ohio State at that point in time played a ranked Tennessee team in the uh, Schottenstein Center um, a couple days after the national championship game. And – as a fan base, we really needed that win over Tennessee. I think Ron Lewis hit a winning shot, uh, if memory serves. Uh, I'm not 100% on that. But I remember going to that game, and when we beat Tennessee, everybody was sort of looking around like, okay, whew, we really needed something good to happen. Well, last night it was the same way. We needed something good to happen. There's been some doldrums. And I, I don't get how Chris Holman has haters, right? Like, I get that people want some – higher level of accomplishment and that they see the potential for Ohio state to be a top 10 program at all points in times. And I do too. We also have to recognize what Ohio state basketball really is, right? It's not necessarily a, a program that has historically been there and Holtman coming in the way he has come in and succeeded the way he has. Do I want to see deeper tournament runs? Yes. Do I want to see a little bit better recruiting? Sure. He's a good coach. And they just knocked off the number one team in the country. So, I'm excited for OSU hoops right now. Um, and I, I don't think there's any other way to put it. It's an awesome win for OSU beating the number one team in country at home. And the fact it's Duke, one of those bandwagon hopping smarmy programs makes me very happy. Yeah. That was a lot of fun last night. And it, you know, I like coach K I know I'm in the minority there, unless you're a Duke fan. I mean, he won three gold medals uh, for our country in the Olympics as head coach. And uh, I know they won another one this year with Popovich, but uh, they almost didn't. I, I know I was missing Coach K during the Olympics this year, and but it was cool. I mean, so his last two games coming to Columbus, he loses both of them. Uh, the the infamous one when Thad Motta was still here where the Buckeyes took it to him, and Coach K had one of the best quotes I've ever heard after that game. He said, you know, sometimes you kick butt, sometimes you get your butt kicked. Right now, our butts are a little sore. So that was pretty funny. So, yeah, to do that in Coach K's last year at Duke, uh, that was a lot of fun last night. And I think they said that was like the ninth time in program history, the Buckeyes as an unranked team have upset the number one team in the country. 
So that's they're like the the Purdue of basketball, I guess. All right, great stuff from the People's Champ, Matt Baxendell. Really appreciate it, Bax. Get to the doctor, my friend. Thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning in the show. We appreciate that very much. Hope everyone has a great day. Let's hear that Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. Producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.